What do you bug me with this? I come here to discuss a piece of business with you. And what are you gonna do? You gonna tell me fairy tales? Hey, who the fuck are you, Slick? Somebody knows you? What are you, crazy or what? I don't know you. I don't know some clown named Gags. Go ahead, go see what you gotta do. Get out of here. Carl! Go ahead, get the fuck out of here. Hold it. All right, all right. Jesus Christ. Hold it. All right, do what he says. Do what he says. Lay down. Go ahead. Put your hands on your head. Spread your legs. Now. Hey, you, you goof, look at the wall. I am the last guy in the world that you want to fuck with. Jim Belushi makes the ultimate sacrifice for a friend and explodes in a hail of gunfire. This is spoilers. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, that's good. Welcome to spoilers. I'm your host this week. My name is Mikey, and the movie I chose. Uh, gosh, Pap, how far? How long ago was the last movie game movie? Uh, probably. Last quarter, three months ago, four months ago. Last tax fiscal season. quarter? Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> spoilers, on the spoilers financial calendar. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been a while, and it's been even longer since I've actually won a trivia, so this is like a special edition uh, of spoilers. Uh, because <laughs> Already I so a rare many. thing, but yeah. it's been extra long. Uh, but I chose the movie Thief, uh, which uh, I don't think is a movie a lot of you guys have seen. Uh, or any of you guys have seen before this, so I'm excited to talk about it. And I'm joined today by all my friends and uh, fellow co-hosts, so let's go around the virtual Skype table and introduce yourself. Uh, let's go west to east. So, Corey, let's start with you, and uh, on your own personal poster board, giant poster board in your wallet that you keep with all of your hopes and dreams on it, uh, what <laughs> images are on uh, that that dream board for you? Very good question, Mikey. This is Corey recording out of Simi Valley, California. Uh, I didn't have a lot of time to think about that, Mikey, because I, I just got a chance to watch the movie today. I'd probably have, let's see, a picture of a YouTube channel with 10,000 subscribers and... Um, do you guys remember the movie It's Pat? Of course you do. <laughs> yeah, oh, oh, wow. <laughs> do you remember the neighbor Kyle? And he got oh, obsessed oh, oh, with yep. Pat. Yes. And he took a picture from his wedding, and he covered his wife's face with Pat's face. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Uh, mine would be that, but with Lindsay Ellis on my wife's oh, face. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, Bob. I'm just kidding. I got permission to tell that joke, by the way. <laughs> Pre-written. Wow, what a treat. Uh, anything else, or is that it? That's all I could think of. All right. Uh, who's next? Uh, everybody's in Indiana now. Um, Pap, why don't you go? All right. Uh, this is Pappy, recording from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, Primasome. Yeah. Great question, Mikey. Um, I'd probably have a golden retriever on mine, because I really want a pup. <laughs> um, a kitten. And then probably just a pair of non-clammy, greasy, normal person hands. I think that would be great to be able to shake someone's hands with confidence or give a high five and have them not recoil in disgustingness. That's that's the dream, really. Ah, uh, 
the, the thin layer of slime removed from uh, your greasy claws. You'll get you that happy. Keep that baby powder flowing, you know? You can take the pap out of the grease, but you can't take the grease out of the pap. <laughs> <laughs> grease trap, grease pap. Uh, let's go Stevie. For any of our listeners wondering what the shaking hands pappy experience is truly like, Order a large Papa John's and ask for extra garlic. <laughs> oh my god! Hey there, this is Stevie recording from Elkhart, Indiana. My dream board would consist of a podcasting desk with obviously like my Mac and my microphone, and then a golf cart with me in it, and golf clubs, preferably Cobra single length, and then a margarita machine and the ingredients to make Mai Tais. Because my dream is to get up and record spoilers, then go golfing every day for the rest of my life. So that's my dream board. Ah, Stevie's dream is gentrification. It truly is. It it truly is. (laughs) I'm just kidding. That sounds like a nice dream. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, Similar, uh, a, a podcast studio for all of us to hang out in at the same time would be so much fun. That'd be on the dream board. Uh, I'd have two big zeros, one representing my student loans, uh, the other representing my car loan. Uh, there'd be a house on there. A PS5, that's already crossed off. I got that. So that's, <laughs> that's on the uh, dream poster board. Uh, dream. Yeah, so, uh, uh, and then uh, it would just be pictures of friends and family uh, on the dream board as well. Uh, so, Josh, why don't you go next? I will go next. This is Josh from Goshen, but Mikey, I will give you props. You're like carrying the team on your back tonight, hosting that episode and counting us down pre-pod. Like, it's never been done before. Takes a huge brain. And (laughs) operating the soundboard tonight. Yeah. So anyway, my dirty wallet mural. um, (laughs) I think I'd have some images of Cedar Point on there because it's just pretty cool. I'd probably have Martin's chocolate ice cream and fried chicken in a corner. Uh, I would have like some scenes of watching my daughters grow up and be successful in life. And then probably lastly, and at the very end of my life, it'd be a picture of me finishing the Inglorious Bastards edit for podcast spoilers that we (laughs) recorded in like July. Oh, good God. Uh, Just finally finish that edit. Josh, like, I have to hold myself back from asking you for updates on that every few weeks, by the way. <laughs> I stop myself. There are so many challenges I have, but um, the podcast is being edited and it should be terrific. I guess it was posted before this, but that's why there's a long gap in movie game. There you go. It's off my chest. Last but not least, Brett. Another props to Mikey uh, for all the work he's been doing. He could have easily, and surprised he didn't say at the beginning, I'm here with all my friends and Brett. Like, that's mad props <laughs> that he did not say that. Um, but that's also, just low-hanging uh, fruit. It's yeah, yeah, it's just... <laughs> a, a, little, a little call out to one of our patrons real quick. I, uh, B. Wolf reached out to me last month, and he said some really nice things to me, and uh, props for you doing that, and it was good talking to you. Um, wait, 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 wait. Did he give an update on his definition of indelible? Just yeah, like, he just actually kind of. Yes, he did. Uh, I won't say everything he said to me because it's personal. Uh, but he did say you are very genuine and absolutely foundational. And then in parentheses, mm. indelible. 
in my opinion, to the show. <laughs> Thanks for all the hours of fun. So Aww. that's very nice. Thanks, Beto. You hear that, Brett? I mean, yeah. you remove yourself, and the foundation just crumbles. Yep. All right. So uh, my dream board. Let's see. Uh, I would start out by uh, having some English bulldogs because I love them. Uh, for for wifey, let's go with two kids, twins, boy and a girl. Girl uh, and dance clothes because Brittany wants to be a dance mom, and my kid can do whatever as long as he's, I don't know, cool. I guess I they're both your kids. Yeah, I know, but we, <laughs> sorry, my the one that I would mold, um, <laughs> the masculine child. <laughs> yeah, uh, his name would be Luca Brazzi. Um, speaking of James Con, I would have a picture of the big long thing in the Matrix when he goes guns. Lots of guns. Because I want to own all those. Jeez. Wow. Just kidding. It would be a... It'd just put a picture of a Desert Eagle .50. That, that's good. Uh, and then I had some other ones, but... Nobody really cares, so... Uh, Brett, I imagine you like Scrooge McDuck. Instead of jumping down into the thing of coins and swimming in the guns. It's just mm. guns. You're just... <laughs> Equally as hard. Well, I would dangerous. say... I said Desert Eagle .50 because if I would have said AR-15, I would have gotten like a bunch of hate mail. So, you know, uh, I, I stick with being smart. Plus, it's a cool gun. So, other than that, I don't know. Uh, what, did that gun get canceled on Twitter or something? No, they've it's, been trying to cancel that gun for a long time. But that's it. I've said enough. True that. So the opening scene, pretty, pretty reminiscent of uh, a movie we all like. Uh, we've all watched Drive. We did a podcast on Drive. But uh, Stevie, you are so crazy about blood covered snow i too have a similar sick disgusting fetish i have a disgusting kink for synth pop music played while driving in the rain at night oh my god (laughs) and this movie is just filled with that and the whole soundtrack is done by tangerine dream uh really uh weird electronic band over in europe uh from the 70s Uh, what did you think of this opening scene and keep in mind that there's like no talking for like the first 10 minutes Okay, am I crazy, or did the Tangerine Dream also do the soundtrack for Taint Tom Cruise movie Legend? I think you're did right. They? That sounds familiar. Oh, I want to say they did. Yeah, but Mikey, the the synth pop music like mixed with driving is so cool in this movie. They did, by the way. They did. Oh my god, I so, knew it's, it's at least listed on the soundtrack Legend. 8586. That's also a perfect movie. This movie is nearly perfect. But I do like how this movie starts out, which is, I mean, between this and like Heat, which are like two amazing, like heist type, you know, breaking into vault movies, where do people find these tools just to like break into vaults? I mean, it's like you just go to the hardware store. And you know, hey, here's your Phillips break into vault wrench. I mean, well, you got to have a guy that makes them for you. You can't find that at your store. You gotta have a crew, Stevie. You gotta have a crew of specialists. You gotta man. have like, a, yeah, it's a crew of specialists, but also, I mean, where do you find these people? Like, 
Willie Nelson probably hooks you up with the contacts. Oh, yeah. Steve, this is what separates man from animals, dude. We make tools and we share the tools and we sell the tools and it makes sense, man. They got the tools. <sighs> we got if, the tools. If someone we got ma- the talent. If someone makes a safe, someone will will make the tools to break into that safe. It's very true. Very true. But I do like the the shot in this movie where he's, you know, pretty much impact drilling through uh, the vault in the beginning. And it has that hole and the camera zooms up to it and you think it's going to go through and then it just stops. I like that shot a lot. Yeah, sorry. My dog is barking like crazy right now, but I agree, Steve. That's like my favorite, one of my favorite (laughs) film shots of all time. And it is just so cool and like looks real enough that I think it's like Mm -hmm. a weird camera trick, Uh, but it's so cool. Um, Can I cut in real quick? I, okay, so you guys have seen probably more Michael Manns than me, Michael Mann movies. I've seen, this is my third one. Um, and I haven't seen Heat in a long time. I've seen uh, Last of the Hakens like a bunch of times. I love that movie. But the first 10 minutes of this movie, I thought to myself, this is the most Michael Mann scene ever. And like, that's tr- true, right? Like, this, isn't it no, like a, it is, yeah. And I, I, I was just thinking back to Heat, and I don't remember it that well, but I was just like, I feel like there are four scenes in Heat that are just like this where it's like, okay, I I actually really like this movie. We'll, we'll get into that. But like, I can't believe you compared this first part to like Drive, which is like the most exciting opening 10 minutes of movie history. This is like the most boring opening oh, 10 minutes of movie no. history. Wow. Wow. I feel no like way. Michael Mann wow. has never had a scene that he's like, oh yeah, we should cut some of that. Maybe I'm wrong here, but I thought watching this, it made Drive seem a little contrived. Yes. Very. We're seeing drills go into the wall as opposed to... Am I I thinking of the wrong Drive scene? Doesn't he driving away in the dark like super awesome? Hiding underneath bridges and stuff and running away from a helicopter. Okay, so this movie, it shows a guy listening to the scanner. Which just, I love. It makes it so your mind just wanders, like what could go down mm-hmm. instead of drive. Yeah, my mind wandered to something exciting, like, oh man, what is that between my toes? <laughs> I, th- I feel f- like it kind of adds context to like these guys are just so good that of course they're not going to set off any alarms and they're not going to have any heat on them because they're pros. They're the best of the best, and I, that's fine. I, I'll I'll concede to you guys. I, I'll I'll take it. I'm I'm wrong. I, that's that's fine. I just uh, there was probably more there. We watched a really crappy version of it last night, uh, and after about 15 minutes, we stopped, and then we rented it today, but we skipped over the opening 10 minutes. Like, So I could be wrong. We saw, like, a, it was just really blurry last night, so uh, I'll bow out and say that I apologize, and Michael Mann, you're I, awesome. I want to speak to this too, Brett, because, look, I think the opening is actually really great, personally, as do a couple other people here, but what I think is great about it, for me, was, like, the realism of doing all this like to me this seemed yes. very real like this seems like the way they would actually break into a safe in 1981 at the time this movie was released as opposed to something more like um like the dark knight where it opens with a heist and it it's like realism is lost pretty quickly in that you know you got to put yourself in the framework of that world uh this one seems very down to earth and i like it and apparently like there was Maybe Mikey might know more about this, but there was some like realistic tools involved in actually breaking into a safe that they used in, in the movie, right? Why, why not make it four minutes instead of nine minutes or the one at the end 
we have to watch them cutting through the entire steel plate? Yes. It's awesome. <sighs> that whole scene should yeah. be on Reddit slash oddly satisfying. So good to watch. Yeah. Uh yeah, Corey. I did I watched a couple of like interviews and I watched like the Siskel and Ebert like review of this movie and they both loved it because it was so realistic and not like a fantastical depiction of thievery like Fast and Furious Five would right. dragging a, a bank yeah. vault across <laughs> the streets. But they loved it because it is so realistic and grounded and like you know what kind of crime movie this is like right away you know yeah uh it's very caper noir uh low action big uh well like the stakes aren't like so grand that's kind of why i like it is because he's like not saving the world he's not he's just kind of like his own self-interest uh for the most part after he abandons his wife. <laughs> That's putting it generously, I was going to say. <laughs> kicks her ass to the curb. Um, I kind of, I really agree with Josh, though, when he said that, you know, this movie kind of makes you wonder what could happen. Like, the way I would describe this movie to somebody is, like, this movie, like, makes you eat your vegetables. Like, before you can have dessert, you have to eat your vegetables. This movie makes you eat a lot of your vegetables, but the payoffs are so great. That I think it's kind of worth it to like trudge through this movie at times. I agree. Uh, there can be some, I wouldn't say slow parts. It is a longer movie, but I'm entertained throughout the whole time. And like the way we get through a lot of the story is by, <laughs> I, I, I feel like this movie kind of like, uh, the way, the reason I compared this movie to Drive so much is because it has so many of the same tropes. We got a hot diner girl love interest. We got, she's also pretty, pretty dumb and or bad slash broken, as is the man in these movies. We have a deal that's gone bad and now our protagonist is kind of like in the pocket of the bad guy. Torture scene with the best friend. Yeah, a protagonist who wants out of the business anyways, and we've got sketchy cops and stuff who's tailing our protagonist. I don't think that's in Drive, though. But, um, yeah, there's just, just a lot of the drope, the tropes that Drive uh, kind of plays on kind of really are present in this movie. So, Josh, what's the situation that uh, Frank, our, our main guy, James Kahn, finds himself in? He's, he's lost his money because uh, a guy he just stole... Or uh, the guy he he just made this deal with the diamonds with has just died. He was thrown out of a window. What's uh, Frank's next move here? Yeah, I think that's actually a plot point that gets kind of buried. But the general gist is that in his life, he likes to live fast and luxuriously. He says to his like mentor figure, Willie Nelson, that he's pulled the plug on his previous wife. And... He's got a new girl set up. You soon find out that this new girl that you think is like, oh, he's got a relationship with her. He just like plucks her out of the bar and starts manhandling her. And, and he's like, he literally. Like, he Michael like, manhandling. James, <laughs> yep. James Kahn handling. And he, he literally says at one point like, all right, let's get to this romance. eh?" He's like, yeah, that's the so weird. least romantic thing I've ever heard. But. <laughs> <laughs> he's a brute. Um, Mikey, he makes it very clear like he's not going to stand down to nobody. I wear $150 slacks. I wear silk shirts. I wear $800 suits. I wear a gold watch. I wear a perfect D flawless three-carat ring. I change cars like other guys change their fucking shoes. 
I'm a thief. I've been in prison, all right? So what? I don't care. So what? Don't tell me. So what? I never even told my wife that. I don't Who care. Who is now gone? Did I ever come on to you? No. Well, you see? See? See what? See? I, I am a straight arrow. I am a true blue kind of a guy. I've been cool. I am now unmarried. So let's cut the mini moves and the bullshit and get on with this big romance. Yeah, the guys who have his money, because like he didn't get paid because the guy who died had all of his money in his pockets when he was thrown out the window, so he can't just go over there and pick it up off the ground. Uh, but he needs his money, and he goes to. I'm not exactly sure who this guy is. I think he like he's like running a, a front of a business uh, for plating or something. And he might and James Con goes in there. Frank goes in there and kind of roughs him up and demands his money back. And he gets, he demands like in 24 hours that he gets paid or he's coming back to fuck some shit up. But yeah, you mentioned uh, Okla, a.k.a. Willie Nelson, a.k.a. David. Yeah. What do you need, man? Get me out of here. Yeah, well, I got angina something, something, something. And I'm not going to last 10 months. And I don't want to die in here, Frank. He is kind of like Frank's mentor. He met him in prison. Pap, uh, why don't you describe him a little bit more? Um, he's a bad actor, first of all. Uh, <laughs> Leave Willie Nelson alone. <laughs> Dude, I mean, so many of the takes, you could just tell it was like like a one shot of Willie Nelson just trying to do his lines over and over again, like with the shot, like reverse shot thing. It's not uh, like <laughs> in between the prison door. He's kind of just whispering into this. Well, yeah, like did eighty? Apparently, in eighty one, they didn't have the phone set up yet, and they They're had this of, super yeah. awkward holes in the glass. Like that made it. That must have been so awkward for James Caan, who's like a great actor, to be up close and personal with Willie Nelson, who's I don't know, never acted before. But go ahead, Pat. I'm sure they just got some like guy who looks vaguely Italian <laughs> slash like. I don't know, curly hair to like stand there like and shoot the back of his head while Willie Nelson said his lines over and over and over again trying to get one good take. But um, I guess they go, is James Conn yes, Jewish? Yes, he's Jewish, 100%. It's so weird because he plays an Italian guy in The, in the Godfather, but oh, then yeah. he's like dropping Italian ethnic slurs later in this movie. He's like, aren't yeah, you? Same with how Harvey Keitel. He's played Italian guys his whole career. He's Jewish as well. Did you get this from the Jews in Hollywood book? No, I lost that a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> called Jews Who Rock. Oh, my bad. <laughs> but other than being a bad actor, I guess Willie Nelson is longtime friends with Frank James Kahn. I think they met in prison. That's the idea. In the, and um, kind of a fathery mentor figure to James Kahn. But he's he's dying. He has some kind of... Get me out of here. <laughs> he fell. He's got angina or something. He's got angina. And yeah, so now he kind of says, you got to get me out of here so I can die on the outside, which is represented by the skulls in James Kahn's vision board. Like the dead bodies. It's just his life. That's the life he wants for himself. That's the, he's going to do anything to get there. I mean, this movie had the good sense to have Willie Nelson talk in one scene and basically have him whisper his lines <laughs> yeah, to James Conn in the other thinking, one. You think he like couldn't nail that line at all? And they were like, just act like you're whispering in his ear. <laughs> I, yeah, I think there was some pivoting on set in terms of the lines that Okla, a.k.a. David, had for sure. Yeah, I, uh, I wonder why Willie Nelson was cast. If you're not going to have him speak at all... 
Or speak so minimally that... Or sing. I, yeah. It seems like a party, a party decision. Hmm. Yeah, maybe he's friends with James Caan or something, <laughs> but um, he was not great in the movie. Uh, but yeah, he's his character is dying, and yeah, he's just like, James Caan, you gotta get me out of here, which, big ask, uh, just getting me out of prison before I die. Um, but Frank has a meeting with uh, Leo, the mob boss who kind of set him up, and through I, I guess threw that guy out of the window not himself personally but like his his guys his henchmen did um Corey why don't you describe Le Leo and the meeting that they have the mob boss Leo yeah Leo is uh Mr. Lundy from Mrs. Doubtfire he is the uh CEO of a television studio priest from Rudy yeah Father oh, Kavanaugh from Rudy. from Rudy yeah he seems like a very nice mob boss oh yeah he's very accommodating you know, he's trying to get uh, Frank to work for him. That's our lead, James Caan. Uh, Frank is like a criminal that does things his own way. He likes to work alone. Leo finds out how good he is, and he he kind of coerces him to eventually work for him. But uh, things go exactly the way that Frank was hoping they wouldn't go. So what do you say, Frank? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? I don't know. I don't believe in uh, lifetime subscriptions. Maybe you don't fit in with my retirement program. What are you going to do, retire? Pick corn with the chickens, watch daytime TV for the rest of my life. What the hell's the difference? All right, all right. Two, three moves. You want to keep going? That's fine. Well, if you want to split, that's fine, too. He seems nice until... Leo goes, I'll be your daddy now, Frank, or something like that. And like man spreads in front of him. Like this is like power pose, like exposing his crotch. It's like, uh, I don't know if I want that. Yeah, uh, Leo, actually. Yeah, he does seem like a really nice mob boss, <laughs> which is kind of uh, disconcerting. Uh, he seems really nice in the same way that like Satan would re appear very nice if he was bargaining for at your At the soul. crossroads. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like, his smile is just, like, painted <laughs> on his face. I, I think that's why I like him so much is because he does have a nice face. And, like, we mentioned him from other stuff, and he does play a nice guy in a lot of stuff. Uh, but I think he's a great actor, and he, I think he does a great job in this role. I like the side characters in this movie a lot. But um, I do want to say uh, that during that scene, and I guess this is kind of like a plot thing, they're being scoped out by cops. So, like, while you're watching this movie and while, like, heists are being planned and illegal things are happening, you, the viewer, you have kind of in the, in the back of your mind, like, when are the cops going to interfere with this, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Brett, what do you think of these cops? Well, I thought they were the worst actors I've ever seen. <laughs> You've got to um, be kidding me. Oh. Okay. The, the one guy, the main guy is uh, not intimidating whatsoever. But Oh, my God. Like, the, I thought the chief was so bad. Ah, you're a tough guy, huh? You're good. Uh, you're real good. Like, too bad you're a goof. I mean, like, sounded, the other guy was hilarious, uh, Urizo. And he, like, he, like, oh, you're Rizzioni? Yeah. I, I know that's, like, touching a nerve, uh, but I thought it was kind of funny. Again, it probably wouldn't fly these days when he's, like, calls him Puerto Rican, which he probably knew was going to be a humongous insult to the Italian guy. 
I thought that was kind of funny. Um, That's not funny, but, uh, <laughs> but I will say, I maybe you're right, Brett, that funny. his acting isn't the best, but the casting is so perfect. I think these cops, like, when you see him in the rearview mirror driving, those are some of the scenes that are kind of seared into my brain. The cops tailing him, and this dude's just, like, wide eyes, just, like, right there, ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude, the cops manhandle Frank like he's fucking Paul Sheldon and they're Annie Wilkes. That shit is funny, dude. When they're, when beating, they're beating the shit out of him, like it's pretty. <laughs> when he hits him with the phone book, book. <laughs> it is so good. That is so funny. They don't leave bruises. Just drop it on him. When uh, they busted out the phone book, I was, I laughed. That was good. Is that the best interrogation scene since Highlander? Oh. Hey, uh, Stevie, what's that line from Highlander interrogation that you like so much? Oh, my God. I, I wish I could Don't remember say it. Word it. For Josh one. will start crying. I can't say it? No, he, he got mad at you last time. We bleeped it out, remember? <laughs> All right. I won't say it. What the heck? Yeah, I, I do not remember this. What is it? Oh, gosh. He dropped a hard F. In context, though. In context. What was the detective's name in Highlander? Was it Nash? I don't know. I just rem- was like, whoa, I just whoa, remember, man. I remember Christopher Lambert wasn't speaking English that well at this point. <laughs> oh, I thought it was coming on. I was so excited. That's not funny, Walt. You f*** it, Nash. Why, Garfield? You cruising for a piece of ass? I'll tell you what happened, Russell. You went down to the garage for a blowjob just didn't want to pay for it huh you are sick but i just love that would you like to fuck me in the ass <laughs> great line yeah, that's the one uh josh mentioned earlier the very bad date that somehow wins over the heart of jesse the diner girl pap this has got to be I don't know, top 10 worst dates of all time, yet somehow Frank pulls it out of his ass and somehow somehow convinces this woman to marry him and buy a house (laughs) like the next week. Uh, Why don't you walk us through the date? Yeah, well, I love, we're talking about how this movie is a little bit slow, a little bit more procedural. I like how we spend some time like in the bar, like jamming with the band who's there. I mean, it's like a minute and a half, two minute sequence of just like, Michael Mann doing a music video of this like <laughs> band playing this awesome song in this bar, but James Conn's super late. He starts accosting his date right away, saying like, "No, you're supposed to be having fun. You're supposed to be happy." Rightfully, men in the bar come up to him and be like, "Hey, is this guy bothering you?" And he flashes his piece at him, so they back off. I think he punches a guy too in that sequence. Um, but then we get like the most Michael Mann-y scene, I think, of this movie, the, the diner talk. And basically, I think it's this, I mean, she's not super into it. And she's like surprised that he's like trying to move so quickly. Like you almost, I, the first time I watched this, I almost got the sense that they had known each other before. It wasn't until I rewatched it that he was literally just like picking her up in that restaurant. <laughs> 
Um, Happy, it's the Blade Runner method of uh, <laughs> bringing in a woman, you know? <laughs> well, I have a theory, movie... too. I think that the last scene of Heat in the airline, I think that's going on in the background. You can see the same bokeh effects. And... Yeah, they go <laughs> they go out to a diner in an airport or something, don't they? <laughs> like, they drive all the way out Al Pacino's to... just shooting Robert De Niro while this is going on. Yeah, same universe. They drive all the universe. way out to LAX to go have a date. <laughs> I do. I mean, I do love that shot though. It's like ridiculous as it is. Like you get mm-hmm. the neon lights flashing on them. You get the cars driving in the background. Like they take, they take turns telling each other to stop yelling in the diner. Um, but yeah, I really don't understand why the pictures of skulls on his vision board. When that's a red it. flag, ladies. Uh, if your <laughs> if your man pulls out a vision board with skulls on it, just walk away. <laughs> do not give that man your number. Uh, I don't know, Mikey. Maybe it's that sweet, sweet hand-holding that they do at the bar, which is something I'll never get to experience because, you know, greasy <laughs> hands. But <laughs> something in Cursed. there, one or over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's got the moves, though. He convinces her. Uh, she also, like, has confessed to, like, uh, a sketchy past. He confessed to being a thief and a current criminal, but he wants out of the business. He told her that. And she mentioned that she was dating... Uh, a cocaine dealer or something down in Colombia. Shout out Colombia, <laughs> uh, and that she also can't bear children, um, which was on. on the she was, which was on Frank's vision board, uh, and he was like, "I don't give a, I don't care. Let's we'll just adopt." Uh, he just wanted to be with Jesse, the diner girl, and he convinced her to be together, and they end up uh, buying a house like in the very next scene. Um, yeah, they're like married immediately, right? Yeah, like, this dude know. is really into his, like, he needs to get on this, like, family, kids, white picket fence shit, like, immediately. I mean, you know Pink he's probably, tree. like, spent the 10 years in prison. Like, that was his goal. When I get out, I'm going to make some money, start a family, have kids, and live the life. Yeah, that's I, essentially why he has the vision board is because he believes that that time was stolen from him. And this is, like, this is his life's goal is to fulfill this vision board thing so it's just almost like his like rosary in prison just like <laughs> meditating over this image every day and like just weirdly being obsessed with it it's a, they come back to this visual often it's not like a good I, modern graphic designer created no, this thing either I, it looks shitty the thing is i was thinking how <laughs> how did he make this how he there's photoshop doesn't exist it looks like it was photoshopped Shopped it's it. like and it's like on uh, a very, it looks like a very large Polaroid or something, or very large. I think like, it's supposed to be magazine cutouts, and like the Willie Nelson one is from like the latest Rolling Stone issue or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's just a very oddly sized piece of paper that he keeps in his wallet. It's massive. No, let's get Willie Nelson in this movie, and since he can't act, we'll just have him be like pretty much dead the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just, or just got ahead. a copy of High Times sitting there, like from with Willie Nelson on the cover. <laughs> uh, our master thief uh, is nothing without his tools. So he has a guy who's helped him. I don't know for hundreds of jobs, probably that he trusts. His name is Sam. He's I'm not exactly sure. This is just like uh, Stevie. What would you say this place is? This metallurgy place this like 
metal factory. He's cutting up stuff. He's cutting up metal. They're making... Yeah, he's kind of like the Morgan Freeman character in The Dark Knight or Batman Begins. You know, he's yeah. just asking Batman what he wants and he can give it. Uh, I do like the fact, though... I mean, it's very... It's kind of informative when he was just like, you know, what kind of vault is it? It's this kind of vault. You know, we need to get to this amount of temperature... You know, let me see what I can do. And there's a pretty big gap between what he's talking about and the payoff. But I'll wait till we get to the end. But the payoff is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's kind of like they're going through notes or whatever. And he's like, I don't know if I can build this thing, but I'll try. And um, yeah, we'll get to the payoff. But it's it's great. And the next scene. Uh, Corey, what did you think of the courtroom scene uh, getting Okla out? Uh, the two lawyers, uh, or the the lawyer and the judge that are sending hand signals to each other. I, I, I love this scene. I, it was one of my favorites of the movie. Yeah. So Frank was tasked earlier with getting his name's Okla, I think it's Okla, right? Okra. Okla. Not Okra. Okla, like Oklahoma. Okay. So he's tasked with getting Okla out of prison. I guess what he does is he gets a lawyer to appeal for parole, and then like in the courtroom they negotiate a price using hand signals. And at first I was like, what the fuck are they doing? And then like, I, I kind of put it together like, you know, it's like Ghostbuster style. Like he's like, I don't know, supposedly subtly putting up fingers on his face to like give the number. But uh, after it clicked with me, it became really obvious and I felt like a dumbass. <laughs> but I guess uh, the judge does agree to grant him parole because he's one, uh, dying, uh, Okla, and two, he's getting paid for it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when they get out of court there, the lawyer's like, yeah, you owe him six, six K. And then he hands him 10 K. He's just happy to get Oakla out. I, I just love the scene so much. I don't, I don't know why. Uh, it's just, I think it's just the way the tone and their voice is like, these guys are clearly, I don't know. They're clearly making a deal and everybody's just like listening in on this thing and they have these obvious signals that they're sending. It's like, why is everybody just ignoring it? But then, like, they also have James Kahn in the audience or in the courtroom as well. And he's also making deals and people are, like, listening in on his stuff going down. And he's like, I am a car salesman. I am not here making deals, sir. The whole and criminal justice system where they are is fucked up, right? Like, it's all corrupt. <laughs> yeah, it's just like... Chicago. It's just like everybody's in on it. Everybody's dirty. kind of fascinated when they throw the numbers like specifically around like the judge costs six thousand dollars to buy off for this end job he only gets paid like 90 or eighty thousand out of like the eight hundred thousand he was owed and especially since it's set in the 80s and i'm not exactly sure what the inflation is it's just a really cool like dynamic and it gives you like a sense for how powerful and like how much of a high roller James Kahn is, I guess. Why does James Kahn need one more job to get out? Like, he owns the bar. He owns the used car dealership. It seems like he could, I mean, other than, like, buying a baby in the next scene or whatever. It's wash money. Mm-hmm. That's just wash money. But he still has, like, so his businesses aren't successful? No, no, those are just businesses to wash money through. 
Explain, Stevie, please. <sighs> Wash money. What do you mean? Explain money laundering, Stevie. <laughs> you want me to explain <laughs> you money just, laundering? You can't just I just but, dump a million like, dollars said, in your bank account. Wash so money. yeah, so I can't just go and take anything over ten thousand dollars that you put in the bank at a time gets flagged immediately by banks and the IRS, and they take a deeper look into you. So if through a business I can you know bring money from the outside and through a business and through my bank account saying. Hey, even though I can be fudging numbers, here's where the money is coming from, and I have a tracked list of all my expenses and what I'm selling and what I'm not. I can make it look clean. Otherwise, uh, the IRS is going to look at me saying, "How did he just put fifteen thousand dollars into his bank account when he only makes I don't know maybe ten in a year?" So well, he doesn't just make ten in a year. He and they know it's easier than doing all that. Just sell your cars for a profit. Don't change cars like other people change shoes. Don't wear $8,000 suits. Like he is like part of his flashy lifestyle is like why he needs this money. Right. I mean, like he could at any point just like charge a few more it's dollars the thrill, for his drinks. Pap. It's the thrill. That's what I'm saying. I, well, I think a lot of it's a product of, you know, being in prison for so long. He's catching up. I think that affected him in a way where he needs to live what he considers to be to the fullest. And that involves a lot of money. Yeah, he's got a lot of catching up to do. He's got to either live to the fullest or just completely go 100% nihilist. That's his like outlook on life. <laughs> You're referring to what, the end? Yeah, and even he has a speech earlier where he's like, I achieved oneness in jail because I didn't give a flying fuck about myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think the next scene is probably the adoption agency after he's married his... Jesse and everything uh, they wanted to have a baby they go to this adoption agency and they don't have a great time Stevie what happens okay so this is like super sad um, him and his wife really really want to adopt a child and from the get-go, I think her name was, what, Mrs. Knowles? She is yes. not having, like, any of it. Um, you know, James Conn's kind of playing coy with her about his past, and eventually it gets to the point where she pretty much just says, because of your two backgrounds, like, you guys are never going to be able to get a child. This is, like, one of my favorite parts of the whole movie was when James Conn was just screaming at her, saying, like, I was state-raised. He's like, I know what it's like to live like in a four by eight, pretty much cell with green walls, pretty much just giving you the fact that no one's ever going to want you. And I do like that kind of banter back and forth where he was just like, where'd you grow up? The suburbs? And the lady just goes, yeah. And he's like, right, right. That like, scene does not work if he is not a fantastic actor. No, it takes, yeah, he is a brilliant actor in that. And he, his voice kind of gets really shallow, almost he's about to start crying when he says, I was state-raised. He's a really, really good actor in that scene. Yeah, I think he's incredible. And this is also kind of like 
where we see the rough edges of him because he's like, I'll take any, I'll take any fucking kid. Give me the black kids. Give me a blah, 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 a slurk. Slur here, slur there. Slur there. And he's like, I'll take any kid. Just give me a kid. I believe the Chinaman is not the correct nomenclature. <laughs> Preferred nomenclature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's still like, he's not a great person. He's like working towards getting better, but he is a criminal and he's still like kind of a dirtbag deep down. But uh, he's, he's a human. Yeah, he's he knows that he's been wrong before and like he's working through it and he wants out of this business eventually, but... He just wants to get his life started, and he wants a kid so badly. One last deal. Yeah. You uh, son of a bitch. I'm in. So that obviously doesn't happen. He doesn't. He's not getting a kid through legal means. Um, and after that scene, we get a, a quick scene with the cops pulling him over, like uh, by himself in his car. He's. They want a piece of the action. I guess the cop, this is, I guess it's like implied this is how Leo offers protection is through the police who kind of like, they're just waving them off and stuff. And they want their cut from Frank and they're not going to get it because Frank doesn't work for anybody and he's not really intimidated by anybody. Because he's an idiot. I love how Chicago this all is. Like it's so, everyone's dirty. You know what I mean? Everyone's corrupt. The judge, the lawyers, the cops, Mm. like it's just... I don't know. It's yeah. like how you picture Chicago <laughs> criminal justice going down. And it's like everybody knows each other, but nobody wants to talk about it. And everybody, like, they all have a, an unspoken contract, it feels like. Everybody is in this web. Uh, they just don't know. Like, And Frank is, like, the only one that doesn't know it. He's a cog in this. He's doing all of the work, basically, and he has to pay his share. He feels like he's getting kind of the short end of the stick, which is why he never wanted to work for anybody in the first place and why he's like now immediately regretting this, this deal that he had. But it's so rich when he says to the cops, don't you ever try working for a living? Dude, you steal, literally steal for a living. <laughs> it's such a dumb point. But That's work. They've also... It's a, even more work. They he also... launders money. That's the most work of all. Wash money. They also kind of, like, make a point that he's, like, they're only pulling off, like, insurance stuff. Like, they're only stealing. They're not stealing from anybody's home. They're stealing from, like, they're stealing uncut gems that, like, they can, that, like, they're not as valuable as they could be. And they're, they're uncut. They're, like, not finished. They're not refined. Um, It's just, like. Yeah, he's a regular old Robin Hood. Not Robin Hood, but it's, like, <laughs> nobody. No, no little person. Take, is I get it. He doesn't take yeah. bonds. He doesn't take people's futures. Yeah. But victimless time, crime, huh? This this leads me to a question, <laughs> though. Like, are you guys rooting for him to steal? No. Mm. Yes. In the movie, I guess I wouldn't root for him in real life. <clears throat> Josh, are you rooting for this character? He's the biggest asshole in the world. I would never want to be like fifty feet from this dude. Does no one else have like a fantasy to like pull off the ultimate heist? <laughs> No one else wants to rob, rob Elkhart County Fair, Stevie. That's just you. <laughs> I'm so, okay. Yeah, I'm the only one apparently. I was rooting for him the entire time. I saw him as like a '70s anti-hero type thing. I mean, it feels mm-hmm. like very much out of that time in the vein of like a Godfather or even like the Bronsons or whatever. Yeah, is certainly no Ryan Gosling in terms of like I'm rooting for this guy. This guy Hotness. could be a good guy. Uh, Hot, hotness. And, and he's definitely not as hot. 
Uh, did you see that chest hair and arm hair and shoulder and hair shoulder hair and back yeah. hair? I saw the wolf suit. That was a fur coat. <laughs> Just give that to the judge's wife. Mikey, that's one of the tricks of the movie, though, right? Is he's such a douche, but I do think he's so justified in the actions that happen at the end of the film that you are in a weird place as a, as the audience, like, rooting for him. But let, we can get to that later. We can get to that later. Yeah. Uh, Brett, why don't yeah. you walk us through... Willie Nelson's final scene <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> uh, at the hospital. All right, so he he calls his his wifey to tell him that they just got a free black market baby, and uh, finds out that oh Willie, the old redhead stranger, is uh, dying in the hospital, and he goes just in time to hear him whisper something that I thought sounded would be cool but like when James Conn said what it was sounded actually kind of lame to me very but generic yeah super generic um, but yeah he just he dies which I guess James Conn does say you know this was the point he didn't want to die in prison you know I wish he could have not whatever but I, I think the I don't know if it's true or not but it actually makes sense the IMDB fact that says that he like gives a death stare to that black doctor and like the doctor is like looking at him like oh my god why are you gonna kill me like that was like unscripted and it makes it, it sounds really funny you guys know what i'm talking Dude, about i freaking saw that i love that scene i love that shot no it's awesome that's i think that's really cool i mean again you could say it's kind of cheap to do that to someone who doesn't know it's coming but again it worked out like the guy is just freaking scared and james Conn apparently just decided i'm gonna give this guy a really dirty look and mm-hmm. I think it worked out really well. It's pretty funny. It's almost like James Caan mm-hmm. read the script and realized he was a dirty bastard. Yeah. <laughs> All around douche. I don't know. I kind of took it like he was putting on that face to hold back tears. <laughs> almost. No, no, no. Because... I, I, I get it. I'm say, I mean, it makes sense in the movie. I'm just saying it's kind of a cool acting thing. Yeah. Where he just did that to freak uh, an extra out. Basically, like a glorified extra. Because you're, I'm freaking James Caan. You're a nobody. I'm going to... But it works. Yeah, because I love I love the reverse shot of the doctor. His he definitely looks scared. Oh yeah. Definitely. Frank mentions that Oakla's real name is David. Um, and they end up naming the baby David after his friend. They got that baby through Leo, uh, who who set up this deal, who mentioned that he knows women who are just willing to sell babies. So they got a, a baby on the black market. They purchased a baby. <laughs> Plus he gave him he gave him options. He gave him, you know, black, brown, white, mm-hmm. or yellow. I mean, he's giving him color options, so. Run this baby you know. through the character creator. What do you want? We can mix it up. <laughs> just Skyrim re-roll a new character. So you guys, we could breeze through that, but let's bring up the fact there are like four really uncomfortable scenes where they talk about races specifically the point is we establish criteria for parenting and an ex-convict compared to other desirable wait so we'll take a kid that's not so desirable you got a black kid we'll take a black kid you got a chink kid you don't seem to understand no one likes all the kids you got an eight-year-old black chink kid we'll take him and it's it's pretty painful to see go down Josh, didn't you call James Conn like the biggest douchebag in the world, though? 
I mean, it's not just him that does it too. Leo, I think, does it. Who is like... James Khan's boss? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, these guys should have better manners, right, Josh? I mean, what's going on? <laughs> but I, but I also said, Stevie, that you are rooting for him at the end, James Khan. So it is a weird place. You're right. You do kind of fall in a weird spot with that because. I felt very uncomfortable what Leo said about what he would do with James Conn's wife. That was very... Yeah. Yeah, that language was very... Even for 1980s, was like, whoa. Like, is Not this ca- for a mafioso boss. Guys, he's a bad guy. I mean, dear God. I mean, it made, it, it made sense to me that he would get that dark, that heavy with someone like James Conn. Yeah, like the 80s is kind of like death of like push the envelope cinema though. So I thought it was strange for the time period. It's just really hard to watch. I'm not saying it's like some huge mistake or someone's a terrible person for putting it on screen. It's just legitimately like I had a human reaction to it. You know what I mean? It's ugly. I'll whack out your whole family. People will be eating them for lunch tomorrow in their wimpy burgers and not know it. I'll put your cunt wife on the street to be fucked in the ass by niggers and Puerto Ricans. Your kid's mine because I bought it. You got him on loan. He is leased. You are renting him. Right. I did too. I mean, I felt what we're supposed to feel. Like, James Caan is, uh, that's supposed to put him in his place, you know? Um, he's not that kind of guy we find out like that's not going to work on him, but I think anyone else, you know, when they threaten their family like that, like with, to those extremes, that specific detail given, uh, yeah, they're just going to like buckle and surrender to the boss. Like, let me tell you about pigs, a brick top (laughs) move. Yeah. (laughs) And that's always such a, uh, great movie dynamic is to have, have the protagonist in the pocket of the bad guy and just like kind of as mercy to keep doing jobs and stuff, even when he wants out of the business. It's just so, I don't know. There's something about, it's just so gritty, I guess. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's so, such a dark premise, such a, these are really seedy people. Like you, you're, you're fucked if you're in business with these people. Like it's just a <laughs> really dark Scary, scary situation. Should have never taken that deal, man. Yep. They're still working on cracking this this uh, special safe uh, that Leo, this job that Leo set up. And to to, to get past, like, the, f- the final, like, layer of security before they get to the actual door, there's, like, this fifth alarm that they need to get past, which requires a special keyword... Uh, I think there's a really great scene here with Jim Belushi where he tries to get the the recording of the safe word. Uh, I just like the way it looks and Jim Belushi running around with the little radio and the and the briefcase and stuff. Uh, Josh, what did you think of Jim Belushi in this movie? Thanks for throwing that to me because I really liked him. I, I didn't really think he like overacted too much and he was like a really down-to-earth, relatable side character. So I would give him a thumbs up for this. I really liked... Maybe Stevie could answer this too, but, like, is it an 80s thing where there's, like, really tight, somewhat grainy close-ups of, like, 
people pressing buttons or pulling that's levers. a carry that's a carryover from the 70s but yeah <laughs> i no, love it, like, those sequences it, it, yes like yes. what mikey hit on with the briefcase and stuff like that and listening in that reminded me of like man from uncle like almost like a mission impossible sitcom like type stuff that mm-hmm. that to me was very cool he's you... got an awesome like radio or something on his jacket pocket mm-hmm. and it's like leds flashing red leds flashing it looks so cool and it's like i don't i don't even know why this looks awesome but it's like i want to be in this movie <laughs> so bad yeah. uh but it's just a great like espionage type scene or whatever uh stevie what, what was the the word that was the keyword to get in well to me if you're gonna have this much security you'd be changing that word every day right yes yeah like, i would think so i mean I, I thought that was going to happen, and the that's word what was I thought be wrong. too. That's why I thought it would be chaos. But the fact that it kind of never did was also kind of a cool payoff. But the keyword was Mexico. 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 I thought that it all went down same day, and that they did change that daily. But maybe I missed that. Maybe, maybe. I mean, to me, time ran differently. I don't know. Maybe it was the same day, and I'm just yeah, it's over a, a matter of hours, but. <laughs> You don't um, keep track of time when you're on the inside, man. No, you don't. James Khan <laughs> actually says that. It's almost like in Loki, time works differently here. Like <laughs> You got to forget about the outside and you got to forget about your your feelings. You got to forget about yourself. <laughs> um well, that was that's like the about the last thing that's needed before we actually get to do the heist. Uh, we get stopped by the cops one more time. Um, he's pulled over and he gets a shotgun shoved in his face. Corey, you mentioned this, <laughs> this, uh, this beat him up earlier. Uh, <laughs> why is he getting, uh, beat up here by the cops? This what? Uh, well, they didn't like the ending of misery and they want him to rewrite it. They're not happy with that. So they give him the old hobbling. <laughs> Uh, they want a cut of his job, which they are in the know about because they either work for Leo or they just all the time happen to be tailing Leo because uh, they're surveilling for sure. Uh, they want 10 points. Don't know what that means, but <laughs> 10 that's points what they want. 10%. 10%. Okay. Snake said 10%. Snakes, snakes. I don't know snakes. <laughs> Too bad AC ain't in charge no more. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's not willing to budge. So essentially, they're going to be like, all right, well, we're going to be on your ass all the time. Good luck committing crimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he manages to uh, get away from them, though, by, I believe he moves the tracking device, the GPS unit on his car, to a Greyhound bus and sends him off to Idaho. Des Moines, mm-hmm. Iowa. Iowa. Midwest. Come on, man. We know. Even even this this shot of the bus, like it tracks around the entire bus and like yeah. ends well, up in front of the bus and it says Des Moines on top. And I'm like, that was sick. I don't even it, that was so unnecessary uh, just to. <laughs> <laughs> but it looked great. And it my was favorite kind of cinematography. <laughs> unnecessary. And the music was kind of cool, too. So music is great. Uh, just a, a great uh, misdirect. Uh, I loved it so much. And yeah, so now we're at the heist. Uh, Stevie, what's the payoff here? What's this tool that uh, that was created? Okay, first off, 
for that beat him up, like rough him up scene, the ADR is amazing on that. Like, the fact that a lot of the words don't match up with the mouths is perfect for the time in which this movie was made. But also, like, when you guys said earlier, like, get over here, goofball. Like, just little stuff like that is just, <laughs> it's just, it works so well. But James Caan has, I mean, the ultimate welder here. Um, the fact that he didn't go blind before he put on the mask is astonishing. Uh, because there's no way, there's no way that he could just light that thing off and be like, okay, put the mask on me now. His eyeballs would be fried. But he has a 12-foot long, I mean... Fourth of July sparkler. Stick of thermite or something? Yeah, Yeah, it's this like... thing is... I mean, this thing would... I mean, I'm surprised that, like, Frodo... Like, I'm, I'm surprised a ring wasn't made from this thing. Like, insanely hot. It takes two people to run. Masks are required. It's amazing. A, a guy spraying the oh, fire extinguisher A guy spraying fire it. extinguisher? It, it's awesome. Dude, that's my that's my shot of the movie for me when it's like them against this like marble wall and like they're all in these like these kind of scary looking black hoods and it's just so like procedural mm-hmm. and I know it's like it's very Michael Mann. It's just so great, man. I fucking love that shot. It's awesome. It's very sexual if you think oh, about geez. it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a like right before that torch scene is like Frank walking in right in front of the the safe door and it looks so sick. He's just like in there with his tool belt and he walks in front of the door kind of like soaking it all in. It looks really, really cool. Uh, But yeah, there's, while they're torching, there's sparks flying everywhere. We get sparks like shooting directly at the camera and stuff. Um, And then I love the shot of Belushi dumping all of those diamonds in the safe. They kind of like pop while they're in the dark there. They're just like glowing. Uh, they look so cool. That's my favorite and... shot of the movie, I think, Mikey. They look like every single color as he's just dumping like boxes. Yeah, in. it looks like the uncut gems diamonds of just like <laughs> ray tracing on all of these diamonds. Uh, and Frank is outside of the safe. He doesn't even go in. He's just like so exhausted from that whole situation that he's like outside smoking a cig, looking super cool uh, outside of the safe. Victory cigarette. Yeah. <clears throat> And, Brett, you mentioned uh, Wolfman Frank here, uh, the celebration afterwards at the beach. Well, mm-hmm. what What's going on at the beach? Why, how do they celebrate? Oh, uh, well, he just goes walking with his lady, right? Like, just walking down in some 1980s bathing suit with his bear I, suit on. Everybody's very hairy. Yeah. Uh, the fur coats are amazing. It's Brian in Fast 7. <laughs> that same scene did you guys think that this was a green night like what if this is how it ended that was my initial thought mine too because every the color changes so drastically the tone changes Mm -hmm. i mean it's like i mean obviously yeah (laughs) it cuts from him in that chair and it's almost like him imagining his life that was my thought it was, we were get like a zoom back, and he we're back to reality now. That was my like very initial thought. Back yeah, if this was an A twenty four movie, that would have been. <laughs> Thank God. It it kind of works as that both ways because I think realistically they did have like a weekend where they're on vacation and assuming that they're gonna get this huge payout and that they're done. And I, it truly is like Brian hanging out with his family at the end of Fast. Is that the right Fast, Corey? Fast Seven. seven? Yeah. Yes. Can I bring something up? Okay. Yes. So Jim Belushi 
tackles his girlfriend <laughs> like a Whoa. goddamn linebacker. Holy shit. I mean, he, I mean, he's in a perfect stance. He shoots his legs, drives, and oh plants God. her into the ocean. Like, and the thing was, is they cut immediately. <laughs> that makes me think she was injured, like, terribly, like, after that mm. happened. That's going on the spoilers Instagram. That is an amazing He just, shot. like, picks his head up and looks at the camera, and it's like, oh, shit, did I just, like, break this woman's ribs? <laughs> I mean, you don't, I mean, when you look at four stars, like, on Rivals or, you know, on Bleacher Report, I mean, they're not hitting people as hard as he hit that woman. That poor woman just got planted. Second down and 10. Oh, what a hit. Look out. Matt Smith. My goodness. That was vicious. Just a proper form tackle. Very really strong was. fundamentals. Great stuff. Why did he do that? <laughs> we keep saying Jim Belushi, but it's James Belushi in this movie, okay? In the credits, yeah. He was an actor's actor. The world according to James. Yeah, the scary thing is, is he looks younger now than he did in this movie. Uh, James Caan, no, no shirt. Uh, part werewolf, apparently. <laughs> back, <laughs> back when men were men who were also part wolf. Uh, he's very hairy. And then now Frank wants his money. He's, he's going to meet up with Leo. Uh, we have a broken deal here when he meets with Leo. Pap, what happens and what, what are, what are the changes that Leo made to this deal? Uh, he has altered the deal. Um, I don't know why this keeps happening to our boy, Frank. He gives over the diamonds and doesn't get his money. I think, um, Leo has like reinvested this money right yeah. into like some shopping malls in yep. Texas or whatever, which Frank explicitly said, I, I want my money in my pocket type thing at the beginning. Um, and now, I mean, Leo's basically got him by the balls pretty much. He's like, you got to do this other job for me in six weeks. I mean, he's going kind of full mafioso. Yeah. I think, I think Frank's actually says, Leo, don't Leo. Don't. <laughs> he goes, yeah, Leo, I'm crazy, okay? A loony, okay? <laughs> sorry, my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, sorry. And, yeah, in and, and Leo's eyes, he's, like, <laughs> Thank you, doing him a favor. Like, hey, I'm going to set you up with a legitimate business, which I, I don't know if he knows, like, Frank's deal that he already has legitimate businesses, but he's, like... I'm going to set you up here and you're going to have like a real stream of income here. And I'm also going to keep you like on retainer because you're now tied to me legally. Retainer. But he also says that he's like under his contract until he burns out, gets pinched or dies. You know what I mean? So he's like, I owe you. I own you. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he mentions that he wants him around for a long time. And then Frank uh, threatens him with a gun in his own house and Leo did not like that and uh, he just mentions that he's going to come back a day later and he wants his money or he's going to start popping rounds off I guess holy crap I just watched that tackle back in like .1 speed dude she had (laughs) to have torn an ACL and I think you dude I think you can see a nutsack of his at one point she should have pressed charges Josh (laughs) she should have pressed charges nuts that was assault Bell is in first and ten Bell gets a pull him out Massaquah was drilled oh my goodness yeah 
it's pretty rough. I, it's amazing that they just left that damning, incriminating evidence in the movie to be <laughs> How he was over and over. Uh, it's kind of shocking the first time I saw it, but yeah. Um, next is uh, The Trap. Um, Josh. Uh, Frank heads back to the dealership because he's meeting up with uh, woman beater Belushi. <laughs> he's, he's, I don't know. They're just going to like make a plan about getting this money back from Leo the next day or whatever. What happens uh, at the dealership? Is this where Belushi gets blown away? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Frank's a little too late. Um, the bad guys are already here. They're kind of giving him the business. They kind of use him as bait, and they torture him so bad they he they succeed in using him as bait. But then he says like it's a trap at the last second, and trap. <laughs> that doesn't really <laughs> save him. They still just knock him out, and this leads to like a pretty cold scene. And this is where like the devil turns bad, and this is where. Leo does his worst and hardest threatening. All his thugs are around. Um, Frank's dead buddy and confidant and you know, the co-vacationer is sitting there dead like on a rack and I guess they like dissolve his body in acid or something. Is that what that's supposed Mm. to be, Mikey? That's what I took it as. Uh, But this is definitely like the one of the darkest scenes of the movie. This is where we get all of that nasty language from Leo uh, threatening yes. his wife and kids and yeah that the the scene where Belushi gets blown away I mean that's very graphic there's a lot of squibs on that man and they're all popping <laughs> and uh, he just kind of explodes in a hail of gunfire and then dumped in that acid very dark very scary kind of heading into uh the very end of this movie here the dream is dead now frank has nothing fearing for his wife and kids safety he's like i'm done with you guys i'm kicking you out to the curb i don't want anything to do with you he doesn't want to but it's just easier to send them away he's back to that jail mentality right uh he's gotta look out for himself but uh he's also got to look out for uh, his family as well. I mean, they're not safe. Is that what he's doing, though? Because it seems like he could have handled it a couple yeah, ways. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that. The way that he handles it is he says, I don't want you anymore. Here's money. You leave. Goodbye. You're gone out of my life forever. He could have said, here's some money. We're in danger. We'll meet up. I got to handle something. I'll catch up with you later. But that's not the route he went. I think it's like what Josh said. He had to, like change his frame of mind to do what he does next he kind of like contradicts himself by being mean but then being like here's four hundred ten thousand dollars like he's treating her like trash but he's giving her money at the same time i don't know i just feel like it was a little unnecessarily harsh but i guess what you're saying makes sense so i mean that's what like josh was saying that he's kind of a nihilist and we see it in like the same scene frank is an all or nothing type dude he either is gonna get everything on his little vision board or he doesn't want anything and like once the dream 
starts to fall apart. He just pulls the plug on everything, right? Like he kicks out his wife. He's a nihilist. He believes in nothing. He believes in nothing. Because I, I, I don't mean nothing to myself. I don't care about me. I don't care about nothing, you know? And then uh, I know from that day that I survived because I achieved that mental attitude. I... I kind of, I kind of understand why Frank did what he did. Was say, pretty much saying like, "I don't love you, get out." I think it was either he knew he was going to die, or it was gonna be kind of like a Godfather situation, which he was planning on being away from her for a very long time until the coast was completely clear. Like I think he was like afraid of the idea of her like coming back into his life too soon, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I I thought of I treated it more of like a uh, like a goodwill hunting. Like I'm I'm bad for you. This is gonna end poorly for you. I'm gonna make you not think about me and be a dick to you. You know what I'm talking about? Tell me you don't love me. I don't love you. Yeah. Then he just went to go. He, then he just went to go find a girl in Colombia. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, that's where that's where the best girls are. Yeah. You goddamn right, Brett. Uh, and then uh, he crumples up his mood board and throws it on the ground. I'm, dream is dead. I'm done with you. <laughs> New board, mood board is dead. Uh, He's leaving ha- the secret. He is no longer a member. Mm-hmm. And he uh, is driving around town at night, just blowing up his side hustle businesses. I, you know what? I think Stevie's right. I think he's like, I'm gonna die tonight, so I might as well just yeah. like burn this whole fucking shit down to the ground. Get the fuck out of my life, because I'm not coming back. Um, but yeah, now it's his his time to get revenge. He uh, kind of sneaks up on Leo in his own house, and um, how does he how does he take him out there, Brett? Uh, well, he waits for I don't know douchebag McGee to come out and get a glass of milk or. Yeah, this forty-five-year-old man needs milk at ten o'clock at night. Is that the guy from Snatch? Dennis Farina. Not not that guy. The guy outside is Dennis Farina. That's actually his motion picture debut. A lot of people in this movie. The main bad guys. This was his first. Father Kavanaugh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, In his fifties, so he comes and makes a I don't know a rookie move. I mean, you, you hit the guy and you knock him out. But like he doesn't take his gun. You gotta shoot I mean, that guy. Or at least take his gun, you know. Um, yeah. And then he. The the best part about this, my favorite part of this last scene is when he's about to kill the bad guy and Tinker comes out and then the bear falls on him. Uh, yeah. Oh wait, no, that's Roast Roadhouse. Um, <laughs> it just reminded me of the same scene, kind of a uh, little hide and seek, and then. Uh, yeah, <laughs> talk about a violent scene, Mikey. Oh yeah. Uh, he blasts him with two forty fives to the chest and then <laughs> I don't know where the bullet goes at the end, but it it definitely goes in a spot where there's a lot of uh a big exit wound because there's a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. Did uh, anybody else have a, a still frame inserted in theirs when they were watching it? Yes, and I loved it. I love that. I think that's such a cool effect that Michael Mann did. Oh, you mean like the cutting on action? Where like where his head explodes, it cuts away, then it inserts. Yeah, so like when Leo got shot twice, it was like before like the last time that he got <laughs> shot. So like smooth action, Michael Mann inserted a still frame of like him like in the act in the act of being shot, and then it kept going. I thought that was really cool. I just really like that actor 
Robert Prosky acting like he's dying on the ground for a while. Dude, that, that is funny. Honestly, it was just <laughs> enjoyable to see. It's like the slowest gun draw ever. Like, like he thought that James Conn wasn't staring right at him. He's got that slow. He's like, I'm going to get him. He's not looking at me. Oh, no, my brains are blown out. Kylo, is There that- is something awkwardly funny about the way that dude dies. Like, he gets shot, and then he, like, lays down, like, comfortably, and then he, like, moves to the side, and he, like, sits still, and then he, like, glances up, and he, like, slowly reaches for the gun. And then when he's dead, his face with his mouth open as big as it could possibly be. It's great. <laughs> After his brain gets shot, he goes, Well! <laughs> Do you guys ever rewind death scenes and just watch them real quick again yes. to figure out what actually happened? <laughs> I wanted to, but I was kind of up against the clock. But yeah, I, I couldn't see the bullet hole. Like, you see all that blood splatter. You're like, well, that obviously went through his brain. But, like, I didn't see where the the... I didn't see where it went in. Did anybody else? That last bullet? His head. Okay. It's just like the end of Young Guns. But it, <laughs> once upon a time in Hollywood, I rewound, at the, the ending, I rewound that like oh, four so times. I saw it streaming the first time. I just kept rewinding it. It was hilarious. Have you changed your mind on that yet, Josh? We'll talk later. <sighs> Josh, I was thinking about Young Guns, but I was thinking about um, how you know who said that Charlie died or not Charlie um Charlie Sheen remember he dies like so stupidly that was making me think of this yeah didn't didn't Stevie say that no I listened back it was you know (laughs) you know who that's what we're doing now (laughs) well you guys always edit out his name oh the yeah OD (laughs) yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah, he... I'm just gonna keep talking. Uh, <laughs> Where to go here? Where to go? Uh, he, uh... Yeah, he just goes in there, just shoots up... Oh, oh well, this is what I was gonna say. Uh, maybe this can be the Instagram post, is we can do a, a poll on which was the more violent scene. This guy getting his head blown off, or Jim Belushi tackling that woman on the beach? That was assault, Mikey. <laughs> Honorable mention, him getting shot with a shotgun and flying seven feet in the air into the van. That's mm-hmm. a pretty good one. Does uh, that happen, right? Yeah, so yeah, I guess we're James assuming he was wearing a vest. I don't think we... He was wearing a vest. Or he didn't get shot bad enough where he just walks it off. It's, he has a vest on at the end. Oh, it's just so like yeah, Drive. Vest. It's just like Drive where he's all hurt and bleeding but just walks off anyway. That's what I'm saying. Or old So country. much of this is from Drive. Um, no country for old men, I mean. He murks David Farina in the grass in the yard, and then he just kind of walks away in the middle of the night. And the one song not uh, done by Tangerine Dream uh, mm. was Pink Floyd did the the final song uh, the, for this whole sequence. The whole time I'm thinking this sounds like a, a ripoff, and I, I actually Shazam did it. Didn't say Pink Floyd, but it's definitely someone trying to sound like Comfortably Numb. So, did you actually see that? Uh, yeah, I, I I have the criterion of this movie, and I watched like okay. the special features. And Tangerine Dream was like, we made a song for the final scene, but I think Michael Mann ended up talking to someone else, and he got Pink Floyd to do the, the oh, final that, song. It, yeah, the Shazam came up and said uh, someone called Heron in a song called Turning Point, but written by Leo Graham. Huh. It, either way, it's definitely uh, it doesn't matter. It's I'll it's take good word for it. 
Mikey, uh, I'm really sorry to butt in again with Tarantino stuff, but again, once upon a time in Hollywood, the end scene where it's a super long pan up and it ends with like the silhouette between the trees as they're like walking. That is pretty much the end shot of this with James can con hurt walking off. Right. Yeah. It's the same shot. Kind of like drive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love this movie. Uh, it's just aesthetically. It's so good. It's I compare it to blade runner and how much I like it, uh, in terms of how it looks and sounds and everything. Uh, so final thoughts, uh, we'll go same order again. Weast to East, Corey. Ooh, final thoughts. Okay. Um, well, the, we talked about the score at the beginning. The score is fucking beautiful. I love mm. that, like, synth. It goes so well with these crime movies. And if this score wasn't the temp music in good time, I will eat my hat. <laughs> couple quick notes as well uh, i saw that jeff bridges was michael mann's first choice as uh frank and uh, pacino oh, was whoa. offered the role but turned it down i thought that was interesting why didn't jeff bridges do it they, the studio didn't like him said he was too young and too uh innocent looking i believe <sighs> yeah they didn't want the star man apparently didn't want star man that would have been cool either coming right off of tron or getting ready to do tron right was that early 80s? Yeah, getting ready to do Tron. had to have been close. Yeah, getting ready to do it, I think. Uh, anything else, Corey? No other final thoughts. You have it a yes? Oh, are we doing it? yes or no's as well? Uh, yeah. All final right, thoughts, fair. yes, no's, yes. Okay, well then, in that case, it's a definite yes, Mikey. This was a great movie. I'm really glad you <laughs> picked it, and I got to see it for the first time. Uh, I enjoyed this in uh, almost every way. I mean, there's a, a couple moments of questionable acting, but I that kind of thing doesn't take me out uh, with a movie of this age. You know, what is it, 40 years old? I kind of almost expect that in a movie like this. And I, <laughs> I think it works in a movie like this. Uh, good story, uh, engaging. Uh, I don't know. I liked a lot about this movie. It, you know, I think the Safdies... Uh, picked up a lot from this genre obviously and probably this movie specifically even outside of the score lighting choices um, other things you know questionable anti-hero characters um, I think the the influence of movies like this is definitely seen today cool cool um, Pap yeah definite hard yes uh, for me actually kind of echoing exactly what Corey said like the only thing I would take points off of are a couple bad, I would say just straight up bad performances, mostly Willie Nelson's, but man, I fucking love, <laughs> love this movie. Um, it felt like, like with the use of technology and how procedural it was, like it's definitely an, like an eighties movie. I mean, early eighties, sure. But it feels like sort of the, like a mix of those seventies, anti-hero gritty 
movies with like the 80s synth sound and the the look and the aesthetic and the technology like i mentioned um i love like procedural shit like i think i've talked about this in other movies i i like seeing how shit is done in movies and i know um you know the, the first scene is very kind of potentially slow to some people but i i the shot of like james Khan. And just pushing the drill in slowly, like, and like the, the music's like blaring, and like, I had headphones on for it, and I was like watching it in a dark room, and I was like just totally immersed from that point on. And I, I think most people who like sort of those gritty crime movies would love this movie. I, this is like the most blind I've ever gone into a spoilers movie. I'd only ever seen the poster, which fantastic oh poster by gosh. the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the poster's Fant- sick. And, but it has like James Caan with like the uh, welding glasses on, so I had no fucking idea like what kind of movie this was, and I was not disappointed at all. Great pick, hard yes for me. Uh, where'd we go, Stevie? Um, yeah, I'm kind of with Pap. I've never gone into a spoilers movie so blind, um, and this is probably a, I mean, it got to be top fifteen movie we've ever done for me. Uh, this is a really, really really good movie this is like he is like the movie that michael mann always wanted to make it's one of my favorite movies ever made but i mean there's so much of it including like how foundational drive is when compared to this movie like it almost kind of takes away from drive for me just because how many tropes there are compared to each other (laughs) but i think the acting is brilliant I think the way it's shot is awesome. James Caan is awesome. And quite frankly, this movie has one of my favorite shots I've ever seen in a movie. And it's not even that original. It's just the way it looks. There's a scene where he's driving through downtown and he's driving a black car and the camera just pans to the hood of the black car as he's driving. And all the lights like of the city are perfectly reflecting off the hood. Mm-hmm. And... Like, if I could make, like, a basement, like, cinema, like, I would have that on a mural in a heartbeat. It is so cool. But um, me, I love a good heist movie. This is an amazing heist movie. I'll definitely watch this movie again. Hardest of yeses. Josh? Josh from Goshen. Uh, Thanks, Mikey, for picking this. I wonder where you got this recommendation or where you like initially found this movie because it's really interesting. Um, one of the things I like the most is that like the typical trope in one of these movies where like someone can't get out of the business and it's one last job, they kind of like always end up choosing to go back into the business. And that's like how the trope always ends up playing out. But I liked how this one was like he was literally forced, despite all his flaws and how big of a just jerk and a-hole he is he really is forced he's completely forced his hand at the end so i enjoyed that aspect of this movie the green color palette is amazing it's like a green blue purple green sort of thing just love it and one last thing super extra hard yes because pre-pod i found out from pappy that yes James Khan is still alive in my head canon when Sonny was shot in the causeway I thought like James Khan like actually died I, think. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't know he was still <laughs> among us so that's great to hear um, great performance by him in this in this movie yes 
Brett? Uh, yeah. I'll give this... It's, it's a definitely yes. I did enjoy it. Uh, and I get... Like, to me, some things were slow and I thought they could have been cut. But, I, like, I get why some people like that stuff. Uh, another Michael Mann movie, uh, The Last Mohicans, some people think there are so many scenes in there that are boring. And that's, like, a borderline perfect movie for me. So I get it. It's just someone's taste. Also, side note, the score for Thief was nominated for a Razzie for Worst Musical Score. No what? way. In 1981, oh, there's it, lost, no way. it lost to The Legend of the Lone Ranger. Oh, my God. That's insane. Maybe it was ahead of its time. The Razzies are so trash. Too ahead of its time. There's no way. I love James Caan. Uh, Josh, have you not seen the movie Elf? <laughs> Why are you? He's, James Caan is in Elf. Looking very spry and very alive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How long ago was Elf filmed? That's like a 20-year-old movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, uh, again, I, I, I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it. I mean, what's more romantic than kidnapping your girlfriend so let's cut the mini-moves and the bullshit and get on with this big romance. Corey, I, I imagine that's how you met your wife, right? You kidnapped her? Uh, yes, I'm still okay. at large. I, I knew <laughs> I knew, I knew, Stevie's story and I knew Josh's story. I just wasn't sure how you met your wife if you had kidnapped her as well. Sorry to all of our fans. I did not kidnap Brittany. Uh, she just chose to like me. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a definite yes. I enjoyed it. Uh, solid yes for James. I mean, I... I liked. Oh, another uh, side note. Sorry, the cop who was hilariously bad acting. The you remember my name? I, apparently, that's the guy who James Conn's character is based off of. So he's not an actor at all. His name's like John Santucci, and he's oh, uh, out on prison. I mean, for being a thief, and he gave them a lot of the tips and stuff. And that's why he's in the movie. That's why he's a bad actor. Brett, if you saw him tailing you, how freaked out would you be? First, I'd start laughing if I saw his face, oh. but yeah, I'd be, I'd be freaked out if that guy was coming after me, for sure. I mean, I don't ever want to be tailed, but, I mean, yeah. No, no good. Uh, I'm glad Brett said yes. I was very concerned in the first well, I, five minutes of this podcast. I thought but we But I told you I really liked it. I told you I liked it at the beginning. That's true. I just had That's to true. get my stuff out of the way. Uh, my final thoughts, obviously, hard yes. I chose this movie. I wanted you guys to watch it. Uh, I've been dying to win trivia so I could show you guys. <laughs> and I agree with so many of the things that you guys said. The soundtrack is amazing, despite the Razzie's opinion. Incredible aesthetic, which I think inspires a lot of stuff that I really like today, which is a lot of the Safety Brothers stuff and a lot of the... Uh... Wait, the Safety Brothers did Uncut Gems, right? Yes. Yeah, Yeah. Safety Brothers. Uh, just... A lot of great stuff that I all stuff that I love uh, in modern movies today. Uh, I find in this movie uh, great side characters. I love the Leo, the mob boss. I think he's very intimidating and very scary. Just overall, 
super hard yes i agree that there are some bad uh performances that's probably my only gripe and that frank is maybe not the most likable character so it's kind of hard to root for him all the time uh i i I think the it's like character building when he's dragging his soon-to-be wife girlfriend out of the club that's just like his character it's to show how rough around the edges he is but it's like i don't like this guy he's not he's not a good guy i can't root actively root for him uh in this very moment right here but um i think that's what makes the movie so compelling is that i do end up rooting for him even though he is kind of a dirtbag uh i love this movie uh hard yes i'm glad you guys liked it too so it's five yeses this is the complete opposite of curdled creamer in your coffee. <laughs> this is fresh cream for your coffee. You're Ritzy. You remember my name now? I'm coming now. Since the police department does not hide to many Puerto Ricans. Hey, asshole, I'm Italian. I'm pleased to meet you, ugly wop son of a bitch. You mother... Uh, good. So uh, now we can move on to trivia. Um, I love video games. I also love this movie. We're going to connect it with the one word thief, theft. How many copies of Grand Theft Auto 5 have been sold? That game came out in 2013. It's absolutely massive. Closest to the correct answer will win. Josh hosted most recently with Inglorious Bastards. Um, I can scroll through. Then that was just like oh my god yesterday. Oh my god! That was for movie game. Uh, then Stevie with the raid, Redemption. And we're going back to like 2020. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Corey with Snatch, I believe. Are you writing this down? Was not Snatch was my brother's pick. Me. Green Ninjas, Brett. Yeah. Am I on the schneid already? Josh, Stevie, Brett, Pat. Corey, what was the last movie you hosted? Uh, I think I hosted Hedwig. Josh, Stevie, Brett, Corey, Pappy. Okay. How many copies of the game have been sold since 2013? GTA 5 on... I think like every platform since they're never gonna make six since Xbox 360 PS3. So just to make this clear, there is no six. This is the the most the most recent GTA. They've been game. updating it for nine years. Yeah, yeah. Do all those updates count as like buys or like the DSLs you... or whatever they're called? <sighs> Copies of the game. Physical copies and digital copies of the game. How many people are on Earth? Seven billion. Um, (laughs) Seven point nine. Let's say like a. Oh man, I will say huge number. Three hundred and fifty million. What? Stevie. It's a lot of copies. Man, I'll say a hundred and thirty-three. Million. I lied. I'm actually next. Furious Seven. Um, oh. Two months ago, I picked that. Wow. After Stevie. After Stevie, though. Yeah. So I'll say. I, I think you guys are. Well. I'll say twenty million. <laughs> Brett. Twenty 
million. 20 million low, 350 million is the high. And then someone said 120. What's happening? Brittany is researching for him. I know. No, she's not. Well, she's got her headphones on, bro. Just pick. Well, you got to pick knowing that, you know, you won't get to host again for six months to <laughs> yeah, a year. True. <laughs> uh, I'll just go with 35 million. Corey. I, I honestly thought, like, these guesses were way higher than what it probably would be. So I guess I'm just a little bit too detached from video game culture. I'm just going to go one below whoever said the lowest. 19 million? Mm. 19,900,099. Yeah, you got to add the nines. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, you still lost. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, the answer, closest retail answer, is 145 million. So that means Stevie, Stevie wins. Very good guess. That's, that's a lot of video games at 60 bucks a pop. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of losers out there. Oh, I bought that game too. I'm one of them. Do you want to take a break or do you got your movie now, Stevie? Oh, I know. Dude, we're jumping right to it. We're going to Raid 2, one of the greatest action movies ever made. All right. Yeah, because, uh, wait, you hosted the last time, right? Yeah. I won from you, okay. Yeah. So back we're to jumping back. right back into the raid. We're, we're back going. Back to back wins for Stevie. Uh, Let's go. I thought, awesome. I thought Josh and Glorious Bastards was the last win. I thought we had established that. That was a movie game? Was that a movie you can't game? Go, but you can't go back to, well, doesn't matter. Stevie wins. <laughs> New trivia. <laughs> New trivia. <laughs> I want a chance to make you guys watch fucking... Never mind, I'll save it. <laughs> oh! Until it's next time. Uh, okay, so Stevie has chosen The Raid 2 for next episode. Uh, hey guys, congrats. just a heads up, watch it. Watch the day before. It's a two and a half hour long movie. Oh, you're good. It's two and a half hours, the most violent stuff you've ever seen. Cannot wait. Congrats, Stevie. Uh, Pap and or Stevie, do you know what's coming down the pipe? Josh, uh, really lagging on that, <laughs> that Inglorious Bastards edit. No, I guess that's what we're all waiting I was on. We're all cutting. I was recording from the mountains near Maynard, Tennessee, and it was some rough goes of it. <laughs> yeah, you should all pay us to watch more movies. I hard agree. Should probably up that name a movie thing after we get through the first wave, right? We'll see. <laughs> It's a hell of a deal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We're recording on my birthday, and it would be great if we could just get, like, one more Patreon. Oh, I yeah. love that. It's been a Do bit. Do it for Josh. He's basically on his deathbed. He's got I'm nothing so else to live for. <laughs> Half of his life is behind him already. I, be- I begged my mom to become a Patreon, and she looked at me and said, times are tough, and walked away. <laughs> I could get multiple people, but Pappy said, we don't want too many members of our family on the top of bar. Uh, follow us on social media. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad I finally won an episode of Spoilers to host. That was Spoilers. Special thank you to our patrons, Brother Brian. He beeps on you, that's your problem. Brother Ellis. He beeps on us, that's your problem too. Nurse Stacy. We're well, inside people. Nick. That's my end, you don't have to know anything about that. David. So what do you say, Frank? I don't know. Druid King. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know? I don't know. 
Matt Troll. I don't believe in uh, lifetime subscriptions. The Meg. Corn with the chickens. Watch daytime TV for the rest of my life. What the hell is the difference? All right, all right. If you'd like to request an episode, hear your name read by Spoiler Man, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. Test. Testing. Uh, no one's done a Ted Lasso, right? Uh, a Led Tasso? Yeah. I've been screaming at the top of my lungs for over a year, and no one will listen. Well, I would like to do one. I was... Assholes. What are you talking about, do one? A Ted Lasso pod. Okay. The way he just worded that was strange. Has anyone well, done it? Oh, well, you should have heard him last week, Josh. He he was giving nothing but praise to Ted Lasso. It was a little embarrassing. No, it's I all recorded. said something about felt like coming for the first time. Or <laughs> what? Is that not what you said, Brett? No. You gave the Arnold speech. It's like getting a pump on. I'm calming all of the time. That's <laughs> <laughs> how Brett watches Ted Lasso. Uh, what he described okay. it last week. That was spoilers.